What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. There, you can purchase items from our online store or donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my guest today. Please welcome Tom Nero. Welcome, Tom. Hi, thanks, Shane. Uh, what a great introduction. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I, uh, I have been perfecting it over the, the months here and, and time, and I've got it down pretty decently now, I would say. Yeah, it's a big, big hype, hype up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. We, you and I are old high school friends. Met, probably got to know each other best because of wrestling, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Uh, I think yeah. that's probably, I mean, we small town, so we knew each other. It wasn't like we were strangers, but uh, I feel like we got to know each other a little bit better through through the old wrestling days. I would definitely say that would be a, yeah, you were a, a grade below me in high school. Right. So. Yeah, I was, yeah, one one grade below you. I used to think I was tough and like to pick on you and you were generous enough to <laughs> swap me away like a little fly. So it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some things will never change. I'm still going to pick on you, Tom, you know, just can't get away from me. Yeah. For context, you were what, what weight class were you? Like 119, 112 freshman year, 119, 125. So yeah. And I was heavyweight. I was, uh, you were a I was about stout 245, guy 250 yeah. in junior high, and that never changed. So yeah, and you were like, when I feel like when people think of heavyweights, it's not you. You're like, you're like the fit. You're like super fit. You were like the muscle guy, the guy that everybody looked at, and were like, oh no, I had to wrestle him. <laughs> it, was, it was a good time, man. It was those are some fun memories that I have from the old wrestling days and spending time with you guys, I feel like between wrestling and soccer, I really, that was like my community, you know, that was like my group of people and uh, you're included in that. And I, I really look back on those days and think highly of them. They were fun. Yeah. Same here. Well, it, we were kind of talking a little bit. It's been a really long time, Tom. You were, uh, what, you were a year ahead of me. So you graduated in 2005 from high school. Right. And I graduated 06, and it's been 05, 06, so 13, 14 years now. Yeah. Dang. Really a long time. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. You could say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, uh, I mean, I'm really interested in kind of what you're up to these days. And I know right out of high school, uh, you went to the University of Chicago, correct? Right. Correct. And, uh, did you, you wrestled there the, when you first went, right? Did you? I did. Yeah. I wrestled, uh, I went there for wrestling. Um, yeah. the coach kind of recruited me there, went there more for the academics, but, um, mm-hmm. like I said, I was recruited there by the coach. Yeah. And then in my second year, um, I actually had a friend that I met from my, well, from my eventual fraternity that got me to do the track there as well. So I did oh, uh, really? throws. Nice. Yep. Nice. How? What was that experience like for you? 
uh just wrestling up there in general yeah both just the athletics and and kind of your experience uh, i guess at the university of chicago and you know being a recruit being somebody who you know multi-sport yeah. athlete in college that's a uh, that's pretty special so what's what's special about so university of chicago for the sports that i went for uh is a d3 school so it's less yeah. as i mean it's still competitive for when what it is but sure. um it's more like you're not that pushed as hard. I didn't feel like, yeah, uh, by by the you know community up there and the coaches. I mean, you're still pushed, but it's more about what you put into it and how mm. much you want to put into it. Yeah, um, because people knew that at University of Chicago, you were mainly focused on the academics, and yeah. this was just like this was still if you wanted to do athletics, you could do it. Uh, that being said, it was still more intense than uh any wrestling practice i had experienced uh in high school um which is i mean i mean we our practices weren't crazy the only time that our like the one year that i remember i think it was my sophomore year sort of been your junior year and i don't remember the guy's name but he was like the he spent like 18 years as like a pt in the marines do you remember yeah i remember I, was, I remember. I can't remember his name either. But that I was know the most intense yeah. uh, season I think I ever went through. Do you remember when we did that obstacle course behind his church? Yes. Oh shoot! <laughs> totally forgot about that. That was insane. No, he was. Oh, I wish he stayed on. Same conditioning coach. Yeah. He. I mean, I. I definitely say that that was one of the most like in shape I felt uh, of maybe any time that I have ever competed in athletics <laughs> like he yeah he had us in good shape that's for sure yeah um yeah so like the just intensity wise is it the intensity or is it just i mean college wrestling is just a whole nother level in general um yeah so there's that and then <laughs> on top of it it's you know you're a little bit higher stakes in some ways right i mean as far as the practices go it's definitely higher intensity because uh, at this point, you've been. Uh, I had been wrestling for uh, since junior high, and most of these, uh, most of the collegiate wrestlers have been wrestling since you know beginning of high school, junior high, even yeah. younger than that. Yeah. So there's no like there's no learning curve. You just basically go in there, and you're expected to know yeah. basics, and it's just hard from there. And yeah, uh, they really push conditioning as well. And so we practiced when we didn't have meets on Saturdays. We practiced six days a week. Yeah. And then we're expected to do gym time and then uh, morning conditionings uh, three times a week. So, yeah, I was a, that sounds yeah. oh, pretty intense. That I mean, you know, I, I had the option to go or the possibility, I guess, to go to where Justin Cox went, um, one of our right. other teammates, to McMurray College and wrestle there. And, you know, they ended up dropping the program. So I suppose it worked out sure. in the long run. But, I don't know. There's there's part of that for me that, you know, by the time I got to senior year, it was I was tired. Like I couldn't imagine like going and and competing in college in some ways and I don't know, I was pretty set on going to Bethel. I don't know why that was such a draw for me. I mean, it's made me who I am today, I suppose, of, you know, the college I went to and the friends I've made there and the relationships have taken me all around the country and, you know, to different places and I met my wife because I went to that college in so many ways and um so 
looking back, it's clearly the right path for me because I wouldn't be where I am today and talking to you like I am. And, uh, but yeah, it's just interesting to think about. I, I've thought about that before. Of like, I wonder what my what things would have been like. I wonder what it would have, like. How would I have competed? Would I have been competitive? Like, you know, I got a light start in wrestling in the wrestling world, not joining till you know freshman year of high school. And um, I don't know. It was. Uh, I feel like the wrestling community, the wrestling world in general, is one of those sports that you get out what you put in anyway. And, right. Uh, yeah. I think that's what kind of helped me. You know excel a little maybe quicker than some people but um yeah i don't know it's a good sport it is yeah definitely teach you definitely teaches you a lot of uh uh what's what the word Uh, life lessons i can't think of the word like it teaches a lot of life lessons yeah uh, character and and accountability is what i was looking for yeah yeah for sure yep if you if you don't want to get embarrassed on match day Mm. and get your butt pounded on the on the mat then you better put in the hard work in the, right. the wrestling room. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes into so many different directions, you know, whether it's put in the work as in like learn, be disciplined, have that, you know, make sure you show up on weight on time, have everything you need. You know, there's just so many like little things that I think yeah. it teaches. And I've had the privilege of coaching. This is my first year not coaching like the last six years, actually. Um, oh, but I coached yeah. wrestling in, in Minnesota at a couple different schools and, Dude, I loved it. It was so much fun. It was awesome. And it's really cool to see yourself and some of the kids too, you know, at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I was just like you when I was in high school. Like, I'm sorry. You know, like, <laughs> and yeah. in so many ways, you're like, I'm sorry, Roy, you know, like, gosh, I'm sorry. No, but, uh, yeah. but also just like you, the mental aspect of things, I think was the big, the hardest part for me in so many ways like I I feel like I was my own roadblock um with my mind I'd get so nervous and get so anxious and instead of just going out there and letting it fly and having fun I I think I got in my head sometimes and uh you know as I was coaching I really began to see that and like working on those relationships and that mental aspect of stuff and that mental toughness and kind of like setting your mind right and getting getting guys in the right spot in the right place, uh, mentally and, and physically was, um, I don't know. It was a really, it was really fun. I really liked the relationship side of things and kind of working on, on that end of things, um, a lot. That was probably what I enjoyed the most. And it's weird. I, I was texting our, my coach, the, I was co-ed coach with, um, the guy before we left. We, I moved to Florida, FYI. I live in Florida now. Yeah, I caught up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that uh, you, I may not have told you that. But um, yeah, so I live in Florida now and he texted me the other day and he was like, hey, you want to stay on, you know, we use Huddle. Uh, you want to stay on Huddle and check out some Raider wrestling? And I was like, yeah, keep me on, you know, like I'd like to keep involved and if I can help in any way, like I love breaking down film or watching, you know, so let me know. It's good to feel still connected, you know, and have that relationship and be able to continue to stay in the sport, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Do How long did you keep wrestling? How long did you wrestle? Uh, I wrestled all four years. Did you? Um, nice. Yeah. I didn't. So I mainly just wrestled uh, for the college. I didn't do. I stopped doing freestyle. Yeah. Um, up there. And. 
Yeah, it was pretty intense. I stuck it out all four years. I never, so in high school, I never really got injured that much. Yeah. Uh, there was one time I did break my collarbone uh, during a match um, my freshman year. Uh, I was going to say, I don't remember that. <laughs> but freshman yeah, year, was I wouldn't have been the, there. It was, it was toward the end of the season. It was at Modern Day. Of course. And so Modern Day is a big tournament that we have over the Christmas break. Yeah. Um, what, like 12 teams of, or so? Or? 12. 12. I think something. 12. There's a ton, There's a lot of teams from Indiana that come around. Yeah. Um, it's just a big tournament. And my first year there, I got tossed wrong and landed on my shoulder and ended up and this is kind of a funny story. Uh, I felt it kind of snap mm. and it ended up breaking in two places. Uh, but oh, I, so geez. I couldn't really stand up and shake the guy's arm. Um, and then I went to the stands and there was a doctor that was in this, the stands, the, mm. the, the seats. Um, it was his day off and he was looking at me. He's like, oh, it doesn't really seem to be broken. You could stay in and watch the rest of the matches at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Doc. Like I said, it ended up being broken in two places, <laughs> and it was extremely painful. And I just kind of looked at him like, yeah, you you should stick to whatever field of medicine you're actually in yeah. and not. Uh, um, but, yeah, that was the only time I really gotten injured in high school. In college, like, it's just more intense. Yeah. Like I said, uh, the people who are, who are wrestling at that level are actually want to wrestle and yeah. are – you know, determined, you know, uh, determined and uh, motivated yeah. to do well. Whereas I had run into a lot of, of guys who just wanted to lean on you and, mm-hmm. and basically do like the fat man dance <laughs> Yeah, yeah. in high school. Yeah. It was more, more athletic. Uh, and so I would run into more injuries in college. Yeah. Um, That's always a bummer. Like, yeah. it's just like one of those things that, kind of inevitable you know you're gonna get banged up eventually but you never really want it to happen and i guess that's part of part of the sport and part of any athletics that you play it's just kind of mitigating some of those injuries and aches and pains and whatnot but right yep how was how was it being an athlete and balancing you know your education and uh, academics as well what what was your major uh, my major was in biology. Biology. Um, I had started out with the expectation of doing, um, uh, going to medical school. So yeah. I was kind of like doing like the pre-med track. Uh, I know at some colleges, pre-med is like a major or like a track that people do, but. Um, yeah. There's different it avenues, wasn't where right? we went. Yeah. Uh, and so that was pretty intense stuff. And it, it was difficult um, balancing the amount of work that we had with, you know, um, the practices or, and basically time management was something yeah. I had to learn pretty quickly up there. Uh, and then we were on the road a lot during our season and mm-hmm. with being a double sport athlete, eventually, uh, I really, um, had to get to know my professors and, and talk to them and be like, okay, we're going to be gone here. Can we work out when I can turn in this, uh, this assignment or sure. make sure that, you know, all my you ducks had, were in a row before I yeah. actually went. Yeah, were they pretty? So, were they pretty pretty flexible with you? They usually were pretty flexible as long as we, because we we know our our schedules pretty our athletic schedules pretty early on in the semester. So as long yeah. as we didn't wait till the last minute to be like, oh, I'm gonna be gone, uh, 
they were pretty easy going about it. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. What, um, man, what I'm trying to decide which direction to go right here. I'm going to be honest. Um, because you finished four years. Did you, did you graduate with a biology degree? I did. Yep. I graduated with a bachelor's in biology. Nice. And then, and then what did you do after that? So I took a couple of years off right after that. Okay. Um, because I was still wasn't sure if I wanted to do medical school or if I wanted to, or what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I took a couple of years off. Luckily, my last year, um, I was a resident assistant. Yeah. So the way that our housing system worked at Chicago was we had a dorm, and within that dorm, there was usually a resident master who was mm-hmm. the, the, usually the adult family or whatever yeah. that was responsible for the entire dorm and then resident heads were with another um, college associated adult couple or family sure that would uh, would be responsible and be like mentors and and uh, look out for individual houses within that dorm yeah and then we had the student sort of liaisons which were the resident assistants mm-hmm. and so that's what I was and I got pretty close with the family that I was working with. Um, and so right after I graduated, I kind of stayed with them there as their, uh, babysitter or live in nanny as they would call me. Yeah. Uh, so because he was, so he was a doctor and she was a therapist. Okay. And so I kind of was like using them as mentors, um, yeah. Um, so we got, we got to be pretty close for a couple of years and then about, two or three years later, um, I wanted to get back into doing research, science research. Uh, and so I got a job as a research tech at the university. Um, and I was basically just like a lab manager, keeping, uh, mouse colonies in check, setting up mouse breedings and just keeping track of all of that. And then doing, helping with some of their experiments on the side in that lab. And, through that, I kind of figured, so I'd always known that I wanted to do some sort of science, whether it be uh, medical or, or just like bench research work. Yes. Um, and so I found the other path of, of where I wanted to go was to do uh, graduate school. But I wasn't sure when or, or how I wanted to do that yet uh, because there was another major um, shift or, or uh event that came up was where I actually had, I actually lost that job because the professor was leaving the university. Uh, He did not get, he, so a crazy thing about academia is that when you start your, uh, professorship, you start out as like an uh, associate professor, I think. Yeah. And you're on a tenure track. So after about five or six years, if you don't get tenure, then you basically have to leave the university or look for another job. Okay. Yeah. Which so he didn't. He, and he didn't get tenure. Just basically. He didn't get tenure. Yeah. Mm. So he was closing the lab down, and he looked. He had a connection at Indiana University, um, at a lab that was studying uh, infection of the Black Plague bacteria, Yersinia pestis. Nice. And so basically, I had a similar job. 
uh, there where I was helping out with some experiments. And I was here on campus uh, in Bloomington. Um, and I just fell more in love in, in the type of research that I was doing. So I applied to grad school that uh, a couple of years later, or a year and a half later, and uh, am now almost finishing grad school with a, a PhD in microbiology. Look at you, Tom. That's awesome. <laughs> like it's it's like anybody that knows you that's listening. I don't think anybody would be surprised. Like <laughs> you're you were always such a smart guy and like one of the most. You know, you just had your you seem seemingly. I'm sure. You may argue, but you seemingly had your ducks in a row, man. And and like I, I'm really happy to hear that you've continued down that path, and you're still kicking butt and taking names, man. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. So you yeah, mentioned it like, you. Oh, go ahead. I was just say it seemed like a more to me. It's it was more like winding road to get to where I am right now. Sure. But everybody has their own sort of path when they get here. So sure. Yeah, and I I mean. The more and more, you know, this is, well, I've published to date, I don't know when we'll be publishing this one, but I've published 77 uh, podcasts and I've got a few banked up for December because I've got some family and, and some things. My dad's actually in town. He's in the other room right now. But uh, Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll spend some time with the family and uh, going to take a little vacation over the next couple of weeks over the... Christmas and holiday time, and um, I don't know where I was going with that, to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, so, like, I'm I'm into the 80s, you know, it'll be, like, close to 90 podcasts, and, and it's just a common theme that, you know, everybody's path is, like, it's not this direct, you know, directly to whatever you think you're going to do, usually. It's this, you know, you, you take your little you know, side roads and, and you find your way back and you find your way to where you are today. And I think that's, right. what's kind of cool about stories and, you know, everybody like legitimately, I, I truly believe that everyone has a story and that everyone's story matters because the uniqueness of, of how we get to be, you know, who we are today and, and the people that we are right now. And we'll look back on this moment potentially, you know, and listen to this podcast, you know, in 10 years and go and laugh, you know, cause it's funny. It'll be laughable at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> if we laugh, if we look back, you know, the same things that were important 10 years to us, 10 years ago to us are, are laughable now in so many ways, you know, and, but they were important. They're part of our story and they're part of who we are and lead us to where we are. But I don't know. I, I think that it, that's the, I think that's more common. It's just that journey, you know, it's a little winding road, lots of questioning in our heads of, are we doing the right thing? What direction do we want to go? How do we get to where we want to go? What do we even want to do? You know, like, where do we want to go? And uh, I don't know. I think that's part of life. You talked about, you mentioned um, the mice colonies and I find that really fascinating. And, and I, understand and I want to make sure that everybody listening kind of understands the role that that plays in some of what you're doing and in medical research and um, that's mice are commonly used in a lot of the testing correct Uh, correct and so part of that isn't just that you go buy mice it's that you raise them and make them or you take care of them. You uh, you're responsible for 
creating more and and populating your your uh, experiments, right? Correct. Uh, just one clarification: the work that I'm doing right now um, is just with bacteria. Cool. So uh, I can talk a little bit more about that later. But to answer your question, yeah. So the mouse colonies that I was working with, or that I was responsible for, um, we would basically buy a what's known as a transgenic mouse and that's a mouse that we had knocked out uh, a certain gene or okay. a couple of genes uh, but they were basically um genetically the same ah okay. and so we needed to maintain uh those genetic lines mm. uh so we're basically um keeping those lines pure Sure. Uh, for the research we were doing. And then we could also cross them and breed. So if we had an interesting gene knockout um, of one mouse, which means we took, we basically deleted a gene, mm-hmm. um, we could cross that or breed that with another mouse to get uh, offspring that now had both of those genes ah. deleted and test them in the experiments that we were performing. Sure. Now, why would you want to do that? what would be like the benefit or what would? Um, so the research that I was doing up there uh, in Chicago was for um, testing inflammation or what causes inflammation during Crohn's disease okay. uh, or patients with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, which yeah. are um, inflammatory problems uh, in the intestines for right. some people. And so we can look at uh, the effects of certain mutations or genes in mice that have a similarity or are kind of homologous, which means that they're similar to genes that are in the human uh, and kind of see how they react to certain conditions or or certain, um, certain microbes that we might test them with Gotcha. uh, to figure out how these proteins are actually functioning to cause the inflammation or um, mitigate the inflammation. Wow. Is it very, like, I'm sure everything's very, like, measured and calculated and, and more tedious type work? Yes, I would say definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, now are, are these, maybe not this one in particular, maybe you can talk about this with what you're doing now, I don't know, but uh, the results are, are these, like, multi-year uh, studies that are going on that... What's the end goal in some ways? Does that make sense? Um, so for academia, and uh, and this goes with what I'm doing right now, the end goal is basically when we start out in our career, we are basically looking for a question that's unanswered in mm-hmm. the field or in the literature. And then our goal as graduate students in this so far is to basically answer that question. We okay. find a hole in, in the reasoning or, or in the, the logic and the literature, and we want to basically fill that in. Yeah. Um, and so this is more, it's more of a, an exploratory, uh, a, an exploratory pursuit where we may not have a defined, we want to get this drug to market or we want to, um, de- uh, decrease this disease uh, occurrence from happening. Sure. Uh, academia is more of like a, a what we call basic science, where we're looking more at the mechanistic of, at least for graduate students, we'll mostly get 
a protein or a gene of interest mm-hmm. and we'll go about characterizing it okay. and figuring out what it's what it's doing um without a defined end goal like okay this i'm doing this research so that yeah. i can create this uh this medicine that will help somebody mm-hmm. uh, does that answer your question yeah it, it's it's not there's a there's a direction but there's not necessarily an end goal it's like you're re it's the scientific uh, what the Scientific method in so many ways. Scientific it's method. like, yeah, you're like test, reevaluate, test, reevaluate, and then you adjust your tests based on the response and the results that you get. And that kind of leads the research ultimately. Right. Cool. Gotcha. So now if we go into what you're doing now currently, well, first question, did what you were doing at University of Chicago because you had to transfer because you switched is did that affect your education did that affect your track um it did as far as the field that i was in so at university of chicago i was working in digestive diseases Mm -hmm. but i was only really a research tech so i wasn't that far into it yeah but if i had gone straight into grad school there i probably would have been more um more medical uh medical-based research, I think it would probably end up being. Uh, when I was a rec- when I was a tech at Indiana University uh, is when I switched over to microbiology. Okay. So like I said, that lab was studying, um, or at least the work that I was doing in that lab, was looking at the infection, uh, the, the, target, or the targeted infection of immune cells by this bacteria, this infectious bacteria. Uh, and so I kind of like enjoyed that more mm-hmm. because it, it was more tied to, um, how does this bacteria affect the human host that it is, uh, causing a disease in. Gotcha. Um, so it's still kind of medically on the outskirts of medicine. Yeah. Um, it's almost backwards to what you were doing before though, right? Like you're looking at. Because with genes, it would be more like the human's response to, or like what's causing, is that, am I on the right what's track? What's causing, yeah. And uh, then like with this, it's like the effect that it has on the human body. So it's kind of like. Correct. And so what I find more fascinating about it is the aspect of cell-cell communication. So you're looking mm. at, in that lab, we were looking at uh, how the bacterial cell knows the specific immune cell that it wants to target first in order to uh in order in order to find the best way to subvert the innate immune uh immune system okay and cause the most infection gotcha gotcha okay (laughs) yeah i'm i'm tracking i'm tracking cool cool yeah Uh, cool that's that that's like dude (laughs) you're a smart guy i like this I could I could sit and like I, I'm actually genuinely like fascinated and like interested in like how this stuff works. So like it's I, awesome. It's awesome stuff. Yeah, I could never sit down uh, and like read through it and understand probably, but you're doing a great job of uh, dumbing it down so that I can understand. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't say dumbing it down. I'm just trying to put it in layman's, layman's terms. terms, and that's something that um, same same but different, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not to get not to get sidetracked, but that's something that I am trying to become better at because I've noticed that there, 
has been some sort of disconnect between the scientific community and the rest of the world at large. Sure. Uh, as far as making sure that they understand the kind of research that's going on and why it's important for them to understand it. Yeah. And how we can communicate uh, with the general public as far as our, our science communication comes. Absolutely. And even just like how, you know, that's why I wanted to kind of dive into you know, the mice and what that's like, the mice colonies and, you know, kind of how the, that interacts with science and with the, the world. I mean, there's intricacies that, you know, that people don't understand and people don't know. And, or maybe you have heard things, but we don't really get to have someone dive into it unless you want to read a scientific journal or a scientific, you know, article that's been published. And even then sometimes it's, just kind of hard to dissect and hard to like pick out and understand. Um, so I, right. I appreciate it. I think it's really fascinating personally. I, I love the understanding systems and understanding the way things operate. And, you know, I think it's cool what you're doing. I think it's cool that you're, you know, in it, you know, it's not just like <laughs> a guy on the outside. You're like, you're, you're hands on dealing with these uh, different researchers researches and I, th I think that's really cool yeah so black plague is what you're doing now or working specifically with uh so that was uh before i entered grad school okay and that lab actually left uh right before i started grad school ah. um but i decided to stay here in indiana uh but what i'm i am studying another disease causing bacteria okay cool um it is called vibrio cholera and it causes the disease cholera. Gotcha. Which uh, it's a diarrheal disease, and it basically it, it can cause death uh, in underdeveloped countries that don't have yeah. clean drinking water. But it is easily treatable through IV hydration or even just oral hydration. Really mm -hmm. interesting. I didn't know that. Is um is so it's a bacteria. It's a bacteria. Is what's um, what's the so how does hydration combat cholera? So basically, the the problem that cholera causes is it, it diarrhea and diarrhea. So you lose a yeah. lot of water, and it's just a ton and ton of water that you can lose, and so you just become dehydrated. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but eventually, um, these bacteria will leave your system. It's what we call. Oh. Um, are they flush then? Is that kind of like the mechanism that the body's trying to like flush that out? Um, it's it, it can be looked at, at as that, yeah. Sure. That it, it the, the body is basically responding to this bacteria and through this symptom of the infection, yeah. it's flushing the bacteria out. Gotcha. Um, I can't remember what it's called. But this bacteria, I, I think it's an obligate uh, an obligate pathogen. It doesn't necessarily want to be in your system, but mm -hmm. it's in there. Uh, opportunistic, sorry. It's an opportunistic there we go. pathogen. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. Um, Which is fascinating because there's so many different, like, you know, there's parasites that do this. There's, like, fungus that right. do this, that do some of those same things that, like, they literally attach themselves to bugs, like, specific types of bugs that allow them to, <laughs> they feed off of them until they're ready to, like, hatch and move on. And, right. Like, yeah. they're opportunistic. They they take advantage of those. Just fascinating. Right. 
Um, so yeah, it's, the, but so the, the research that I'm doing isn't necessarily focused on the pathogenesis sure. right now. So it's kind of like I'm getting further and further away from the medical field. But um, the cool thing about cholera, um, as well as other uh, bacteria, is that it is able to take up DNA from its environment. Oh, wow. And so DNA is kind of like the basic building blocks of our, our of what make us up. Yeah. what makes us us uh, so it's able to take in dna from its environment and if that dna is similar enough to its genome or its own dna it can then recombine that dna basically integrate that dna into itself whoa yeah so what i mean by <laughs> if it's similar enough if it has a a sequence uh which is a series of um the dna yeah that is exactly the same as a sequence that's on the genome. It recognizes that, and the process is, is called recombination. Okay. It will anneal to the genome, and then through a process that we don't really understand right now, uh, it kind of kicks out that section from the genome and inserts itself into... Well, in an insert itself, there's a process that happens yeah. within the bacteria, but it gets inserted into the genome. So it so, so it stays with the person, um, or is it so, the reverse? No, the person this is like, just the bacteria. Okay, right. So we're just focusing on the bacteria. Gotcha. The host is um, out of the picture right now. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. And what is? I mean, I think you kind of already said this, but there you don't know the function or why it really does that. So we're there are a couple of. Of theories and, and the model that we go off of is that this method of what is called uh, it's a method of horizontal gene transfer which means that you have a gene from one bacteria that gene then can then be moved over into a completely new bacteria that is somewhat similar or highly similar mm -hmm. um, and so that's basically a horizontal transfer or a horizontal uh, passing of this gene okay uh, and so we believe that this process allows for the accumulation of either a series of mutations or even an entire gene. What does that, that mean? Can in the... um, I'm not even sure. I don't know if I could even repeat the word. Uh, a series of mutations. <laughs> no, the one, the evacuation. Is that what you said? Uh, the accumulation. Oh, accumulation. Sorry. All right. Yeah. I misunderstood you. I thought you said something different and I was like, whoa, I don't even know what that word is. Yeah. <laughs> accumulation of, gotcha. Okay. An accumulation of either a series of mutations or even an entire gene that could increase the fitness of a certain bacteria or a, a community of bacteria. Huh. Wow. Um, and so we think, and there's a lot of evidence for it right now, that this method could be used by bacteria in order to increase their mutation rate and cause uh, antibiotic resistance. Oh. And so we're, what we're trying to understand and a lot of labs are trying to understand is the mechanistic details of how this occurs and all of the, the genes and proteins that are involved for allowing this to happen efficiently. Interesting. That's really, that's really fascinating. Does the, this, transfer 
I don't know the words. So I was recently talking to a guest and, and her husband. This could be completely off track, so I apologize, Tom, if it is, but I'm sure you'll understand what I'm saying when I get there. Uh, she was talking about her husband has has a brain tumor, and uh, it one of the um, ways that they're treating it or have been treating it was they took the polio vaccine minus the polio and or like the polio disease minus the polio and then inserted like the common cold into that gene or that component. I don't know what the words are. And then they injected that into the tumor and it basically like the cold or whatever eats away or feeds on the, the tumor. And it also helps with um, like the body's response that it recognizes the cancer cells because of that. And it helps right. fight and, and fight back against the, the like tumor. Is, right. it, is there that, any so connection there between those two? Cause it sounds <laughs> there like there is, is some but... of a connection. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it this way. So that sort of genetic engineering yeah. uh, can be done in a lab. So like uh, we can manually genetically engineer uh, different viruses with okay. different components to try and treat disease that way. Okay. What we're studying is the method, and on a sidetrack, we also are trying to figure out how that these bacteria are able to do this themselves, mm. so that, one, we can use these bacteria as a model and be able to easily create different mutations in sure. different genes um, to figure out different uh, uh, pathways, Yeah, or a different um, uh, housekeeping or, pathways yeah, sure. or... Um, so it's basically, we're trying to figure out how these bacteria are able to genetically engineer themselves mm. to acquire different mutations or to acquire um, novel genes from the environment, potentially, uh, so that we can use them for a, a study, uh, uh, use this in our studies. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Now, you mentioned that it's kind of like pulling you a little further th from the medical field. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, is that something you're okay with? Is that taking some time to kind of be okay with or, you know, what's, um, yeah, I'm pretty fine with it. It's yeah. cause I viewed my time in grad school as, uh, sort of like gathering techniques and how to ask a question and how to set up the experiment to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily the, the substance of the research that I'm doing, but like the, how I'm able to do the research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because basically after this five years um, in grad school, that research may lay stagnant until another grad student picks it up or if the lab continues on with it. Mm -hmm. But after I leave here, uh, I'm not going to be working on that project anymore. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I find the project very interesting and it's very motivating to, to answer these questions. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as it moving me further away from from medicine, uh, I'm I am okay with it because I know that I can choose a path back to it. Which, and what I mean by that is I, what my what I'm focused on is trying to find a lab or find a job that comes back to this area of uh, pathogen uh, pathogen versus host okay. and how those are communicating with each other. Yeah. Um, 
and basically using what I've learned as far as genetic engineering and molecular biology uh, in order to answer or pursue those types of, of questions. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want? Can you answer that at all? Or can you speak to that? Like what's, what is going to be next for you or what is the direction that you're kind of looking? Uh, so right now I'm looking to move out of academia, which means I don't want to stay uh, in a college research environment. Yeah. I'm looking to go into industry and into potentially the biomedical field or the bioengineering field. Yeah. Where they're using these methods of manipulating bacterial or microbe GD or DNA in order to, um, to use for different purposes. Sure. Sure. That's cool. I'm excited to see and listen to and, and kind of follow along with where you, where you head next. I, I'm excited. I, I think it's really cool what you're doing and the things you're a part of, Tom. That's awesome. Thanks. I'm excited to see where I end up next too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're in that together. We'll, we'll see where we are. Like, let's check back in six months and a year and see where we're at. <laughs> yeah. And the other pathway that I'm pursuing is just working for the government uh, yeah. in sort of a, an antibiotic. Like this has been my one kind of ultimate job that I want to do because yeah. I've become so fascinated with uh, how diseases basically work. Sure. And how they affect the human species yeah. is to work at a capacity of like sort of anti-bioterrorism cool. or work for the Department of, of Health and Human Services um, studying diseases. That that would be pretty cool, I think, as well. Yeah. is it, And you said that's something you're like pursuing or you're you're involved with now? Uh, that's something I'm pursuing. I'm looking at yeah. uh, job openings and positions uh, in government operated uh, labs with cool. DNIH and with the CDC. Um, and with the Department of, of Health and Human Services. Nice, nice. Are, are you loving the IU, Indiana, Bloomington area, or are you uh, looking wherever the job takes you? I'm looking wherever the job takes me. Yeah. That seems, <laughs> I, seems to be kind of how you have to go, especially in, in that industry, I would say. Yeah, the, there are kind of three major hubs, um, one in Boston, uh, one yeah. sort of like in the Carolinas in that area, and then one in um, California, San Francisco in California. Yeah. Um, so I'm mainly looking around Boston. Uh, cool. I might try to go back to Chicago. Um, yeah, I have. So you know, remember Ben Gettinger? Yeah, yeah, he's out in Denver, and I thought about trying to find a job out there. Yeah, um, didn't he start a brewery? He did. I yeah, they had that. a. They started a brewery. They make fantastic beers. Yeah, um, and that's part of the motivating factor for moving to Denver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there's tons of breweries in Denver, but they they actually just are about to close their tap room and just go into distribution. Oh, really? So nice. Yeah. I have to have to check that out. I don't even. I know I saw that he was starting a brewery or started a brewery or was involved with the brewery and uh that's about as far as i got yeah cool yeah colorado would be sweet i everybody talks highly of it you know i mean that area and it's beautiful it's a beautiful area that's for sure it, it definitely is Boston. but i even i was gonna say even though my family i have a lot of family in indiana yeah um, i this may be like 
subconsciously subconsciously self-imposed but ever (laughs) since i've been born i haven't really stayed more than seven or eight years Mm -hmm. in one spot and so same i would kind of like to leave to leave i get that itch to leave indiana and find new um, yeah new locations there's value in that you know Uh, there's there's a lot of comfort in in staying in one place you know and I felt the same way when we moved from St. Paul, Minnesota down here about six months ago. Um, My house, my home in St. Paul, I had lived there for six years. And I had lived there as long as I had lived anywhere in my life. And uh, there was a lot of comfort there. It felt like home. It felt it was it was hard to leave because, you know, I had again, I had lived there as long as I had lived anywhere. And so. It's interesting, right. but I, I find a lot of value like I in those moves, it, it forces you to not become complacent. And I feel like I did kind of come complacent now that I've moved down here and I see, um, I don't know, like just being challenged in different ways, you know, and like having different different aspects of like you're, you're forced to kind of like move outside of your comfort zone and not just stay in these same patterns and these same routines. And I think there's value in that. It's not comfortable always, but that doesn't mean it's no. not beneficial for you, you know? It definitely makes you want very adaptable, I would say. Yeah. Um, one downside that I did notice <laughs> and was that you don't, like, I don't know if it's if it's common with people who don't move around a lot. Yeah. Um, but I'm terrible at keeping, like, long-distance relationships with friends that I've uh, made over the years. Likewise, man. <laughs> And like I've had, I, I yeah, because I know that you moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you make a lot of new friends. It's yeah. Just you notice that there are a lot of people who have childhood friends that they've kept through the through the years. Yeah. Um, and it's just hard to develop those kind of friendships when you only know a person for like seven years. It really before is before you before you are are moved away. It really is. Yeah, and and it's like uh, it's like they just have a purpose for a season, you know. It's like this, like hey, like I really value the time that I got to spend with you, and it's just hard to, it's hard to stay and keep your mind in one place and then try to grow in another. At least for Correct. me, it, it's yeah. like it's like living in two different worlds where it's hard to kind of relate and connect my only you know that there's a few people in my life that I've, I've really been able to you know keep in touch with and and do that and college some of my college friends are, are some of the ones I keep in touch with the most and um you know I value those relationships but yeah my my younger like high school we were talking about that like I don't really keep in touch with a whole lot of people from from the high school days and um and even before that it's like hit or miss and uh I don't know. That's what I love about the podcast so far. It's been me catching up with old friends, you know, and yeah, there's so many, (laughs) there's so many people that are like all over the country, you know, and different jobs that I've worked, different places I've lived and different things. And they're all doing great things and they're all, you know, have different experiences in life. And I think it's awesome. And I I love catching up and like just talking and kind of seeing where people are at and what they're doing. And, um, you know, there's people doing seemingly, you know, these quote, what, maybe society would say is successful and there's people that are doing your average job and are happy and there's no right or wrong answer you know 
there's just no right or wrong answer. And as long as I think as long as people are kind of pursuing what they want to pursue and, you know, working to to be in the place that they want to be and, and not so focused on uh, what society says is best for us. You know, I, I've, yeah. I feel like I've chased that for a period or a, a stage in my life, a season in my life. And now it's like, let's figure out what's best and, and it's okay to be wherever you are and to be satisfied with, um, yeah, just be trying to live in the present, you know, and not so like, I wish I was here. The grass is always greener on the other side, but right. it's never really that way when you get there, you know? And, uh, we all have our struggles. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, we have, we've definitely covered present day and got, got up to present day. And I love that. I think that's awesome. I would love to, to take things back a little further. And if we were to look back on your childhood, um, how would you describe your childhood? What, what was your childhood like for you? Sorry, I had to cough. You're good. I was, I was just uh, saying, what is, what is your childhood? What was your childhood like for you? How would you describe your childhood? Uh, it was an eventful childhood. Uh, I grew up <laughs> as one, one of five boys, sure. um, in a military household. So both of my parents were Marines and, uh, there were five. Five Nero boys? There were boys? five, five Nero boys. Man, I didn't know that. How did I not know that? Yeah. Because <laughs> you probably only met two. Yeah. Uh, two beside me, Bobby and Larry. Yeah. And those were the youngest three. And the other two uh, were out of the house before you came sure. into the sure. picture. Do you have a sister as well? No. No. I so mean, just five up. boys. Five yeah. boys. That's it. Cool. Yep. Uh, and then the earliest I can remember, we were in uh, Okinawa, Japan. Right. Uh, and so my mom was stationed there, and my dad was working. Uh, we, as a family, we were there, and my dad was working uh, in the officer clubs uh, on on the bases there. Yeah. Uh, and so it was definitely not a typical childhood. We were... Uh, we went to school um, in one of the Department of Education um, schools, so it wasn't necessarily with the uh, the Okinawans. Yeah. We went to school with other military military kids, right? Um, but I would say during that time, all of all of us boys were were pretty crazy. And I have to give a lot of credit to my, my parents for keeping us uh, in line and not going too far off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could I could see that. I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah. So you were schooling was with um people other people that were on the base. Correct. Yeah. What was how long how long were you in Japan? How much of your childhood was there and what was that experience like? Did you, looking back, what was that experience like for you? Um, I was there from the age of two until about the age of, I want to say nine, nine or ten. Nice. Um, a good chunk of time then. A very good chunk of time. And I would, it's hard to remember because I'm so old now. 
I know. But... I know, man. I know. I just had a birthday. I get it. I'm I'm old too. I'm in my yeah. 30s. I'm, I'm... Oh, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thanks. No worries. Um, but this, so my experience in Okinawa, I, I, I look back on it very fondly just because, I mean, you were talking earlier about how you love the beach and there's just a, 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 a smell and like an atmosphere. Yeah. For me, that's how I remember Okinawa is just there's just this atmosphere because it was an island and we weren't yeah. that far from the beach. Our school was right on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I would actually attribute my love and passion for science to, to that school. Um, I was only there. <laughs> I was only, I went there for preschool through third grade. Okay. But as I got up into like the first and second grade, there was sort of like gifted and talented program. And basically it was more in the STEM. So the science and technology um, sure. and mathematics field. And I remember I was thinking about this the other day. I remember uh, one of the things that we did, we, we got involved with, um, sort of like creativity and innovation and we had to do, we had to invent our own like product to sell it never actually went this far as selling it sure but i designed i remember i designed a um a all-in-one toothbrush <laughs> that dispensed mouthwash and a toothpaste uh, as well as functioned as a toothbrush nice um and also had a flip out uh, uh, pick. Oh, so you could pick your teeth. Your teeth. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, what so a there cool were thing! Things like that. Like, yeah, like yeah. what a cool thing! Like as a kid, like it, it's getting the the brain thinking and like trying to get you to like process, you know, systems and and think through different things. I, I like that. That's really cool. That's a fun project. Yeah. Uh, you, go on. No, what was your question going to be? Oh, I was just going to I was going to ask about um just your favorite memory or your most fond memory from, you know, your time in Japan, um your time in school or do you have any memories that stick out to you from that time period? Huh. I have a couple of memories. I don't know I have a hard time saying anything is like a favorite memory. I know. Uh, I do too. I try to phrase it differently because favorite anything or like number one or best or whatever. It's, it's like the first thing that pops in your head. You know, I feel like sometimes those are like the best ones. There's like these, what's the most, what's the one that like comes to mind? It comes to mind. Yeah. No, I, I felt like I was more adventurous and more like exploring as a mm. youngster in Okinawa. And what I mean by that is I felt safe enough to go out into the the woods near our house, where we call them the boonies, but we go out and <laughs> just like explore the woods or play around the woods or go by ourselves to yeah. play in a, a local uh, boggy area or a swamp area and chase frogs and everything. Yeah. Uh, and of course, what happens is you grow up and you have more responsibilities and then you don't get to do do that sort of things um but no it was a, the the area around the neighborhood around our house it was easy to make friends and it was easy to find things to do and explore yeah um so that's what i probably like most about living living in okinawa yeah did you learn any japanese so we did in the in 
uh, I want to say second and third grade, they actually taught um, Japanese culture and Japanese language. That's cool. I don't know anything right now more than basic. Yeah. Uh, basic things like counting and yeah. You know, it's like a use it or lose it. I mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But exactly. it probably like even thinking back of you know they there's different research and science behind like introducing your kids to another language at a young age and how it affects the brain and how it, you know, I I wonder what that would look like, you know, like how, what, how that affected you long-term, you know? Yeah, that would be interesting, interesting to know. It's hard I to definitely tell. think, <laughs> I definitely think growing up that way, um, it was a more diverse community. Mm. I would say that. Yeah. And so you're already introduced to having more or open to more cultures and different ideas yeah. than what you might. Um, and, who knows how how many you know embedded culture cultural ideas I had uh, at the age of eight, but yeah, um, you see that the, you kind of see that the world is bigger, and I think that mm. that definitely impacted my way of thinking about things. Because um, mm. going from that sort of environment to uh, a small town in the Midwest, yeah, that is not very diverse. <laughs> uh, nope, <laughs> <laughs> you. You're just, it's just, it's sort of like a cultural shock. Sure. Even though, I don't know, even though I, I don't look any different from these people. Yeah. Uh, but you just had a different upbringing. It was you, different. A different perspective and a pers- different, yeah. Yeah, perspective for sure. Did, so what grade were you when you moved to the Midwest from Japan? Uh, it was fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yeah. So you jumped in in fourth grade. See, I moved. I moved inner, you know, within the Midwest, but from Indiana to Illinois, then back from Illinois to Indiana. But it was uh, first grade, so I went from you know Indiana when I was like two to Illinois, and then we moved when we were in Illinois to another place in in uh, Southern Illinois, Charleston. So it was like midway through my first grade year. So it was like first grade till sixth grade. I was, you know, at this school in Illinois, and. Uh, in Charleston, Illinois, where EIU is, Eastern Illinois University. And uh-huh. uh, then I moved to Sullivan, where, you know, we went to school together. And uh, it was, both were different, different experiences. But I think it's interesting, and I, this is where I'm getting at, I'm the long way to get there, but I'll get there, <laughs> trust me. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like growing up in elementary school, pretty much all of my elementary school years in this one school, I knew everybody, you know, that was there. It was, it wasn't a big town. It wasn't a big, you know, school or anything. I, I knew my peers. Um, and they just, we just got along and it right. was fine. It was, it was good. Like we just, you knew who the other person was. Like we played sports together. We played, you know, we went to school together all six years and like, I don't know. There was just this camaraderie. There was just this acceptance of like, these are, these are, my friends, these are my people. And even if I wasn't close with them, you just knew each other. You had this mutual respect. And then moving to Sullivan, it, it was different. And I, I attribute some of it to like, one, I think Sullivan is just kind of this way. It's a little clicky, you know, there's a, there's little pockets of people. Um, it's middle school. So seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, it's just a 
rough year for anybody in life and a rough time (laughs) potentially. Um, And then I don't know. I think it's just moving and being the new person and like trying to, to re define yourself, reassert yourself into that, like um, into society in some ways, you know, like, and you don't know anybody and you're young and you're trying to like assimilate, you know, (laughs) but it was hard. It was a really rough transition for me. And I think middle school had a lot to do with that and just that time, that age range. But that was a, that was a tough change. I, I went from, it was a lot of like, again, I, maybe it's for the better, but there's this one memory that I have that I, I got picked on a lot in middle school. And, uh, one, one time I wore a turtleneck to school and Though as funny as that might sound, I never wore a turtleneck again. Uh, I got razzed and teased, and it wasn't anything I ever thought about. Like I didn't think about what I wore, you know, before then. It was yeah. just that's I went to school and I did my thing, and I, it wasn't a matter of like that was just Shane, there's Shane, you know. But then going to a new school, I realized that it was like oh, there's different things. It was a eye-opening experience. And uh, yeah. it changed my perspective for sure, and good and bad behind that. Did you have any experiences like that? Like coming, you know, obviously it's uh, it's just fourth grade is an is an interesting time too, and it's kind of right in the middle, very developmentally, kind of growing and trying to figure your life out and figure yourself out. But it is so uh, in in elementary and middle school, I was um, chubby. <laughs> I was fat. Sure. Uh, and I may or may not have been effeminate in my vocalizations or <laughs> attitude. I don't know. But like you get called, you get called names and everything. And sure. It just depends on your attitude. Um, I try to be friendly with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but after junior high, um, after puberty, uh, where I kind of, shot up Mm -hmm. and got to be pretty big. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I never really had any issues with anybody, Um, whether or not they were scared (laughs) or, (laughs) or what, but I I wouldn't have seriously, (laughs) I wouldn't have seriously picked on you. You wouldn't have seriously uh, come after me, but no, I, 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 uh, I tugged on that tail enough, you know, Picked on that tiger, poke that tiger enough to know like I didn't want I didn't want any of that. Whenever I crossed the, that line, when you'd get you you'd uh, you'd let me know when I was out of line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Luckily that makes sense. People, and... No one ever, uh, no one ever made me cross that line. Yeah, I hate to see what happened. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, no, I, I. It's interesting because I I feel this similarly getting to high school, it was a different, different animal for me. And I think for me, at least, uh, went from, I was no longer the low man on the totem pole. We were kind of all thrown into the deep end, you know? And, uh, it was, I found my, my group in athletics and sports and, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously outside of the wrestlers in the room, not many people picked on us as wrestlers anyway. And, uh, I think that yeah. helped for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly didn't hurt anything. No, no. But yeah, interesting. I I have sub- several friends that have had different 
you know, upbringings in different cultures and different, you know, whether their parents were, you know, uh, missionaries or in the, in the military or, you know, overseas. And it's just interesting to hear their perspectives on coming back. And you came at it at a younger age and I'm sure that helped in some ways of, you know, some of that, not that it didn't have its challenges, but I'm sure, you know, moving at a younger age has its pros and cons for sure. And, and affects you yeah, differently, no. but I definitely agree. Like, I think that children are more friendly and inviting at a younger age. Yeah. But then in junior high, you're right. They do become a really clicky and, yeah. um, a little bit more selective in who they will welcome and, and talk to. Yeah. What, why is that? What do you think the, <laughs> what's the deal? Is it just hormones? We become more, I think maybe <laughs> that I say, I'll say we, but I think that we become more self-aware of sure. themselves and who they, who they hang out with and who, what they mm. look like and, and how, how their social interactions will affect their, uh, their street cred. Sure. So they do become more judgmental and more selective. I yeah. Would say. Yeah. That makes sense. Were you yeah. interested in like athletics when you were younger or like what were some of your interests outside of, you know, school or did you play with the frogs in the swamp? <laughs> play with the frogs in the swamp. <laughs> uh, I don't get So the athletics for me, um, other than swimming a little bit, didn't really start until um, Little League Baseball. Mm. I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. Sure. Uh, and then I played football or uh, basketball, like basketball in middle school and nice. football started in junior high. I guess that's a lie. We had bitty football. <laughs> but the regular, the real football didn't start until junior high. Uh, and I don't think I started wrestling until my eighth grade year. Okay. And it was basically because my dad was like, oh, you should try this out. Um, so three out of my uh, four brothers at that point had wrestled. Yeah. And so was Bobby just... was too young, so he couldn't wrestle yet. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, try do. this out. It'll keep, it'll keep you active and athletic. And basically, like you were saying earlier, a lot earlier, is that in a small town, I don't know if you said this on this podcast or another one. I might be remembering another one. But in a small town, there's not much to do outside of like, school and athletics unless you have a job or or it's no good yeah so i think my parents were trying to get us all as active and fill up our time as much as possible Mm. um yeah yeah it was definitely when i think about that yeah I, i don't know you know like i don't know any different i don't know any better i don't know what it's like to go to a you know a big school uh, in the city, like I, I couldn't imagine what that's like. It seems way more complicated and difficult than what you and I, you know, experience. But I, I kind of like the idea of the small town, um, you know, school type um, mentality in, in so many ways. I, you know, I've coached at some bigger schools, and and I'm sure you've maybe you've heard me talk about this on other podcasts, but. Um, you know, we had we had pride in in our athletics, in what we did, in our extracurriculars, and not just athletics. It was whatever it was. You know, like any extracurricular. Yeah. There was 
people are quick to like be like look like look what tom did look what shane did you know and i think that i mean i thrived off of that and maybe it's some of some of it came from my experience in middle school um i i'm not really very shy about it i i very much believe i was bullied quite a bit you know and i really desperately wanted to fit in that's all i wanted i just wanted to be I just wanted to fit in, you know, and, and I don't know if that was the way I found my acceptance is like through my athletics. And so I just like was thirsty for that, you know, and continued to put my time into that because that's where I got my, my, uh, I don't know where I fit in and where I, I got my accolades or whatever, but I love that. I love coming in on a Monday morning and being like Shane plays, you know, third or first at the whatever North Knox Invitational this weekend yeah. like uh or shane and shane tommy and you know whatever like we placed whatever like i love that like that i live for that i love that i love getting that like kudos and having a your class kind of look at you like nice job you know or like a professor or a teacher coming up to you and being like good job this weekend thanks you know like i love that that was that's all i wanted and uh yeah I think that's one of the major benefits of, of going to a smaller school is that basically you're a tight community. Everybody, at least everybody in their um, own grade knows each other. Yeah. It gets a little bit more difficult as you move out to the farther grades, but yeah, almost everybody knows everybody. And so yeah. it can be really supportive that way. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of negatives, right? I mean, the small town, yeah. <laughs> everybody knows everybody's business and whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I loved it. I, I think th- I look back on that and I really appreciate that. And, look, you know, coaching at some of these bigger schools where you've got thousands of students at these schools. And I think that's what it's lacking in so many ways is like there's just not pride in your extra extracurriculars. Why would you why would you want to go like, you know, what what makes you what drives you to go wrestle, you know, like other than a friend that's doing it or a family member that's done it or, you know. Some people, you know, will be adventurous and be like, hey, I'm going to give this a try. But, man, it's hard. And I think that sometimes it's those it's those kudos, you know. It's those people that when you get up and say, like, hey, the band, you know, our, our choir or our band team is performing at the such and such parade this weekend. Make sure you support them. Like, what's wrong with saying that? You know, what's yeah. wrong with taking that time? That's just as important as all the other things that are going on. But I think that some of the bigger schools operate more like – because there's so many people and they're so over maybe understaffed in some ways and, and overworked yeah. that that that's just, it falls to the wayside. That's, that's not important. And I think it should be, I think it needs to be. That's I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox now, Tom, but I, that's just something <laughs> I believe. No, I definitely agree with you a hundred percent. Like I, I don't know unless I got the community support, if I would have stayed, um, stayed with wrestling or football because, you know, I, I wasn't just an athlete. I was really into academics as well. Yeah. In high school. Yes. Um, not only did I do, uh, football wrestling and track and field, but I also participated on the spillable team and yeah. the science Olympiad team yep. and data club and all of that. Yep. Um, were you, and I just, what, what play, I mean, were you in the, you were in the top, of the your class though weren't you as well did you yeah i was i think ninth or eighth okay yeah yeah but you were you were you were involved in a lot of a lot of academia you know uh and 
and athletics. Like you played football, you wrestled, you did track and field. So, you know, you your time was uh, filled. <laughs> filled, yeah. It was in high demand for sure. Um, but yeah. no, it definitely takes like the community to get involved with that and to get to be supportive. Yeah, and that's yeah. with anything. I mean, it doesn't matter if. If if the people you surround yourself aren't supportive of the things you're doing, and it's it loses its flavor. Like we we are we're not meant to be just a man on an island, you know. Like no man is an island. They're like, legitimately right. though, you know. Like we we thrive off other people, and you can have your own motivations. That's fine, and and most people do, and you should. I think you should be an independent individual, but we still are affected by the people that we surround ourselves with, and. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just, that's just one of my critiques of some of the bigger schools that I've coached at and been around. And I, I completely agree. I think, you know, the, those pressures and those social pressures and those different things motivated me, you know, like I didn't, I wanted to be considered that I wanted, that was a motivation to me. Like I want to rise to the top. I want to be the best I can. I want, I want to have those, those pats on the backs and those nice jobs. Like I lived off that. And I, in some ways I still do. You know, I appreciate yeah, this. Definitely. What did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, when I grew up, I knew I wanted to be, like I said, in the science field, but yeah. mostly I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Like even from a young age, like early yeah, on, from you're a like pretty young astronaut. age. I wanted to be an astronaut doing research in space. Nice. Did you ever? You know, you ended up going to the University of Chicago to wrestle, and obviously academics were great there. Did you consider going to the military? I had considered it. Because um, you're, you're at least one of your older brothers, right? He went into the military. Yes. And your family, obviously, and you're growing up. so. Yeah, so I had considered it, and I knew that I wanted to do – um, I know I wanted to go to college. Yeah. And sort of uh, my parents had kind of, like I said, they had, were both Marines and they had put, uh, for me at least, academics first. Um, and when I was choosing colleges to go to, I thought I might try and get into one of the military academies. Um, and in order to apply for those academies, you need a recommendation from like a state senator Right. Yeah. Um, and so I went to one of those recommendation days and interviewed with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had only really interviewed, wanted to interview with the Air Force Academy. Okay. But they also set me up with the Naval Academy. Mm. Um, uh, long story short, I did not end up getting a recommendation from the Air Force Academy. Okay. Uh, but found out too late that they actually re- recommended me for the Naval Academy. Ah, and you'd already accepted. <laughs> yeah. Would you have so gone re- that direction, you think? I might have. Yeah, hard to uh, tell. <laughs> well, because, so at the time, my my idea, so like I said, I wanted to be uh, an astronaut. I wanted to work at NASA. Yeah. And so I had this sort of sense, being in a military family, uh, of duty to serve, but... Like that was the only way I was going to be able to do that was to get into the military service, uh, 
and then work my way up to as a scientist to get to NASA. Sure. That's cool. I like that. I mean, this is the the path, you know, the winding road that you took to get to where you are. (laughs) The winding road that I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. It's such a tough place to be in in high school and, you know, coming out. There's such a pressure to, like, know what's next and know what to do and what direction to go. And (laughs) I don't know. There's so many pressures, I feel like, um, that... I, I don't envy people, especially nowadays, you know, like there's so many options, like with te- the way technology has gone and man, there's just a, there's so many different options to go and we expect kids and we expect people to know what they're supposed to do and what they want to do for the rest of their life. And I, I think there's a little too much pressure sometimes put on that next step versus, uh, maybe a little more exploration of like finding the right path, you know? Right. Yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Um, I also think that they're like people. So in high school or in junior high, people always ask like, what do you want to do next? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And that's where the pressure comes from. Right. But I think that there's a downfall with when the answer is given, like say, Oh, I want to be a doctor or, you know, I want to be a lawyer or I want to work uh, as a safety officer in a coal mine, or I want to work as a scientist at a power, at a power plant. There, there's no next step. Right. Like, it's It's just that's the answer. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, how are we going? How am I going to do this? How are we going to get you to yeah. where you want to be like what's you know, what kind of path do you need to take yeah yeah my wife and I were talking about this with she, she was a psychology major and uh, you know was interested in counseling and, and uh, you know different things as like post-grad and she ended up not going you know she hasn't done that yet it's, it's still still something on the docket but um, you know it's like what do you do with a psychology major you know and like degree like what do you do like it's really built to go back to school it's not built to be a standalone thing you know and I we were talking I was like what would you you know like if we have kids and they like want to major in psychology like what would you say to them or like what what do you want to she's like well it's their choice you know like I'm not gonna you know obviously whatever and I was like "I, I hear you completely but I would like at least encourage them to get a minor in something else that they're interested in you know like yes it might take you a little longer but like have something that if you get to the end of that psychology degree you've got another route to go you know like just yeah give yourself an out give yourself some options and because it it, a lot changes in four years a lot changes during that time and i don't know i just think you know whether it's get psychology and have a business minor why not like what it doesn't hurt anything (laughs) you know right I don't know. Find find something else that's more like that you're interested in as well. I I love the idea of taking a taking a year off, interning somewhere, you know. And uh, if you want to be a scientist at a power plant, like just be a go work at the power plant. Just see how it works, you know. See the ins and outs. Talk to people and like learn yeah. how that 
that industry is. If you want to be a doctor, like be a front desk person, you know, like answer phones, but see, you get to see how, how the office runs, how the environment is, what people are doing. You get to ask those questions. And I think that that's maybe a component that we're missing. And they try to shove that stuff in, in high school, but it doesn't really work. Um, I don't know. Yeah, high school is mainly just to get you to graduate. Yeah. Like if there's a few talented, uh, talented students, yeah, they'll probably be like, Oh, well here's where you can go yeah. or try to get you into the best place that they can get you into. But sure. it's, it's basically, I see it as, uh, they just want to make sure that you graduate. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. And I guess that's important too, but I don't but know. I mean, all There's of it so comes down to like experience. So like, sure. Yeah, exactly. They're not, I don't think that they're using proper resources. Mm. Uh, and this sounds super critical and I'm not, I'm just like voicing my opinion here. Yeah. But, um, they may not have the resources to bring people in and explain. Very true. Okay. If you want to be, a, a psychologist or a, a physical therapist or a doctor, here's what you need to start doing now. Or yeah. here's what, here's what you should expect your path to be like. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and it, it, it comes with, uh, some cautions as well. I think. Oh, for they, sure. Like you don't want to have students get so locked in on something that they think that they definitely want to do that, that they don't take the time when they go to a new environment to explore and figure out, Oh, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. Or is and it get, something else? And get, you know, 10 years down the road and go like, what did I do that for? Like, why, yeah. why am I doing this? Like I'm yeah. miserable. I hate this. Well, Tom, we're, we're running low on time. I've got a few questions to kind of close this out. You ready? Okay. Speed round. Yeah. <laughs> what are you most proud of to date? Uh, most proud of being the first, uh, in my family to graduate, um, from college. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Congratulations. And not only graduate from college, but you almost have your PhD. I almost have my PhD. Yeah. Dude, that's <laughs> rad. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are you looking forward to most in the future? Do you have any goals and ambitions? Um, my goal <laughs> is to um, have a good job uh, and start to build you know a family and a life yeah that i've kind of like just been putting on hold sure uh be able to spend more time with my family mm-hmm. being able to be comfortable enough to uh see the world because <laughs> i haven't yeah. really been able to to go and see the world but i definitely want to go and travel at some point so just being in a place where i can comfortably do that not that florida is the world but you're Please come visit me anytime. We have a space for you. And it's ocean. Oh, I love the ocean. Yeah, so dude, definitely. I'm I'm down. Come come visit. I'm serious. Dead serious. We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think about your legacy? Um, I sometimes do, which is like tied into why I'm ready to to leave school and and yeah. start a job and become comfortable because like I. I want to be able to have a family and yeah, uh, and and you know, raise raise kids that uh, to have a, a similar mindset to what I've been able to uh, acquire through the years. Uh, yeah. 
and I feel like I have somewhat of a legacy that whether or not it's remembered, it's remembered by my, by me at, at, at Sullivan and with the people that I've met there and yeah. made friends with there. For sure. Um, I guess other than that, I'm not really concerned with yeah. Which with is necessarily fair. what I leave behind. I know that uh, in my daily life, I try to be positive. Yeah. Whether or not that leaves an impact, um, I don't know. Who can say? I don't know if if it's us to say. You know, I think yeah. the, the only thing we can do is try to be the best that we can be. And my uh, father-in-law wisely told me few weeks ago when he was visiting he's like you can only be um you can only strive to be better than you were yesterday and uh i really that's great i really believe that i really like that it stuck with me all right last question looking back what advice would you tell little tom (laughs) um and you kind of struck on this whether or not you intended to or not but that no man is an island Mm. like no matter what you're feeling you're going through how you feel like your likes, your dislikes. Yeah. You're not alone. Like they may not be in the immediate vicinity, but there are people that have the same feelings and the same likes and yep. the same ideas that you do. Yeah. You just have to find you have to find your family in that in that uh, aspect of things. I love that. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate Thank it. you for having me. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, likewise. I'm going to close this out now, all right? Okay. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Please visit on Facebook and Instagram where you can like and comment on our posts. If you want to go above and beyond, please share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends and family or just random strangers on the street. Welcome to everyone. Once again, please visit crazyfaceuno.com to purchase our merchandise and donate your contributions help. Help us tell more stories like Tom's and stories just like yours. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you all. Love you. Peace.